This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. The Chancellor was in the TV studios this morning ahead of the spring statement that he will deliver on Wednesday. Economic issues, like much else, have been cast into the shadows over recent weeks as the spotlight has inevitably focused on the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Even today was no exception. In his interview with Sophie Rayworth, Rishi Sunak was first asked to address a stir caused by the Prime Minister's remarks at the Conservative Spring Conference yesterday in Blackpool. The Ukrainians fighting the Russians is like the British voting for Brexit. Would you have made that comparison? Well, I, I don't think the Prime Minister was making a direct comparison between these two things. Clearly, they're not directly analogous, and, and that's not what he was saying. He quite clearly did make a comparison. Though they were in the very same sentence, Britons, like Ukrainians, have the instinct to choose freedom. I've got the entire quote here. They were, he was comparing them to... I'm just I, asking, would you have I think he, made he, that he was making He was making some, some general observations about people's desire for freedom. Clearly, those two situations are not directly analogous. The Prime Minister doesn't think that, they, they, they're, cause, because they're clearly not. Would you have used those words? Would you have directed, would you have compared them so directly together? He was not directly comparing those two things. He was talking about freedom in general. Those two situations are not directly comparable. No one thinks that they are. The Prime Minister doesn't think that they are. And actually, with regard to Ukraine, what the Prime Minister has been doing is galvanising global opinion to send a very strong message to Putin that this aggression will not be tolerated. And he deserves enormous credit for that. And it's something that's been praised by the Ukrainians themselves. They recognise the role that the Prime Minister and this country collectively has played in supporting them at this difficult time. And that's the thing that we should be, I think, focused on and proud of. You say that he wasn't comparing them. That's your judgment. But would you have been comfortable saying that, using those two examples in the same sentence? I, I think they're, they're, he's making general observations about freedom with regard to those two situations. And you comfortable with that. Neither the Prime Minister nor I think that those things are directly comparable. Turning to Sunak's brief, Rayworth asked about the rising cost of living, which is already beginning to bite. In particular, she highlighted the soaring price of fuel. How many people do you think will be in fuel poverty because of rising energy bills? Well, that's why we've acted, to make a difference to those. And the way that we've done it, in contrast to some of the other suggestions, I know you had Rachel Reeves on earlier, we acted to do things in a slightly more targeted way. So by providing £150 to people immediately in April, that obviously matters more to those on lower incomes with smaller fuel bills than it does to people on higher incomes. And that's a deliberate policy approach to make sure that we get targeted support to those on lower incomes. Uh, We also have a range of other schemes uh, to help people in fuel poverty. For example, one of the things we do every year is invest about a billion pounds to upgrade the energy efficiency of people who are in fuel poverty's homes. That saves them around £300 a year on their energy bill, and that's a long-term solution but to this problem. But that's now, and what I wanted to know is how many people you think could fall into fuel poverty because of all this. There are about three million, or there were in 2020, how much is that going to rise? Well, that, I think you we, must the, be looking at those figures. Well, yeah, the, the actions we've taken, but I think, we, will make a big difference. But and, how and, many people do you think? And you the must analysis be looking... we've done will show that the, impl- the impact of the policies we've put in place will disproportionately help those on lower incomes. To give you another thing, we, we so your, your the, actions the are going to stop discount. more people falling into fuel poverty. Is that well, what you're I saying? Think, in, the actions of this government and previous Conservative governments over the last ten years have meant that there are fewer people living in poverty today. Over a million people fewer living in poverty. So you're today not expecting a rise in 
people, are, you're not expecting a number of people well, in fuel I, I poverty think, to rise. Well, I, I think the things that we're putting in place will make a difference. And it's not just on the energy side where we're helping with bills. We, we are raising the national living wage by 6.6% in April. That's an extra £1,000 for someone on low income. We cut the universal credit taper rate. That's a tax rate on those in the lowest earnings. That, again, for a single mother, that's going to be worth about £1,200. That's not a tax pounds. cut, though, is it? Uh, it's, it's a tax cut in the universal credit Your system. Your own documents say it's not a tax cut. Uh, no, no. I mean, well, the, 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 that single mother that I talked about working full-time on the national living measure, wage yeah. is going to be £1,200 better but off a year as a result of that. But you, you can call it what you want. That, that's a measure that is going to help someone considerably to help make sure that they don't end up in poverty and actually that they have the cash they need to get through what is without doubt going to be a challenging what, period. What Ray was challenged Sunak over the news on Thursday that P&O Ferries had sacked 800 of its staff and replaced them with agency workers with immediate effect, all via a pre-recorded video. There was a lot of shock this week when P&O dismissed 800 members of staff. Do you regret giving P&O Ferries that £50 million of taxpayers' money uh, during COVID now? Well, I think that this, what we're seeing is appalling, and the way that they've treated their, their workers is awful, uh, it's wrong, and you know what I can tell you is across government we're examining not just those actions and whether they complied with the regulations as they should have done, uh, but also our own relationship with the company and the transport secretaries in the process of reviewing all our commercial relationships with P&O at the moment. DP World uh, is uh, owned, P&O Ferries is owned by DP World. It's a Dubai-based company. Uh, you have said that you were thrilled that DP World is going to be taking on Thames Freeport, Solent Freeport, that it would be supporting local jobs. Can local people expect to be treated in the same way, fired, hired and then fired? Well, as I said, we're, we're looking across government at our contractual relationships with P&O and reviewing those at the moment. I can't preempt um, the pro that process, but obviously n no one at all is seeing anything other than what happened is appalling and people should not be treated like that. So can you step in and stop DP World operating these free ports? I think the two different things. The P&O ferry situation is something that we're actively looking at, and as I said, we're reviewing all the contracts across government with P&O to determine what the right next steps are. Rayworth also spoke to the Shadow Chancellor, Rachel Reeves, asking if Sunak would have her support in cutting fuel duty. We would definitely support the government if that is what they choose to do this week. But even 5p off fuel duty is only going to be £2 off filling your car up with petrol. I don't think that really cuts it in terms of dealing with the cost of living crisis. This is a historic moment. I speak to mums in my constituency who are saying that they're skipping meals to feed their kids. I'm speaking to pensioners who say we're not turning the heating on, even though we need it on, because I can't afford it. The Chancellor has to show this week that he understands the very real sacrifices that people are having to make right now. So you'd, support a, you'd support a cut of fuel duty. How much, how far could he go? Because at the moment it's 58p per litre, isn't it? Well, let's talk about taking 5p um, off. Is that enough? I, um, we would support that. I think really, though, what is needed is a windfall tax on the big profits being made by the North Sea oil and gas companies right now and using that money to take money off people's domestic gas and electricity bills because everybody pays the gas and electricity uh, bills and it is the poorest people, people on low and modest incomes, who are experiencing those price rises the most. So my priority would be that windfall tax to keep energy bills low 
and also uh, not going ahead with this increase in national insurance contributions. We're the only G7 economy that's increasing taxes right in the middle of a cost of living crisis. When price is going up, the government deliberately taking money out of people's purses and wallets, that is the wrong thing to do and we oppose that. We've spoke to Sophie Ridge giving her take on the Prime Minister's comments about Ukraine. Rishi Sunak uh, defended the Prime Minister. He said that he wasn't trying to make a, a comparison. It's not directly analogous, he said, and the Prime Minister wouldn't say that either. What's your take on what the Prime Minister said? It is utterly distasteful and insulting to compare the fight for freedom and the aggression of the Russian uh, state to the decision to leave the European Union. It is insulting to the Ukrainian people who are fighting for their very freedom and their very lives, and it's insulting to the British people as well. And if the Prime Minister didn't mean that analogy, he shouldn't have made it, and he should take those, back those words and apologise to the Ukrainian people and the British people for those crass remarks he made yesterday. Ridge went on to interview Ukraine's Deputy Prime Minister, Olha Stefanishina, seeking her view on the prospective peace talks with Moscow. What could an agreement look like? It feels as if there could be some movement on NATO. Would Ukraine be prepared to give up some territory to Russia? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, Ukrainian territory is a territory which has been fixed in, in 1991 within its entirety and uh, internationally recognized border. It's not only the position of Ukraine, it's the position of the whole world enshrined in the numerous decisions of the UN Security Council, including Security Council, where the Russia is, was standing. So it's not an option for discussion. Of course, there might be a room for discussion on the reintegration of those territories that have been under occupation for the last eight years. While uh, there are like a number of the red lines, which are uh, the inexcusability to legitimize anyhow the unlawful and provoked military aggression on our territory. This is the red line for us. And uh, speaking of NATO, uh, as I'm leading the NATO file in the Ukrainian government, I can say that the, the, the feeling and the, uh, the political priority is still there, while the ultimate element of the agenda today is the, uh, is the ceasefire and the security guarantee. So far, NATO has not suggested anything uh, in the first and the second uh, element of this needs from our side. So uh, that's why we're looking for those options which will ensure our security and withdrawal of Russian forces from our territory. And finally, Martin Lewis, the journalist behind the Money Saving Expert website, gave his verdict on rising energy bills ahead of Sunak's interview. Look at the fact that just on energy alone, on a conservative estimate within one year, we're talking £1,300 a year going up in bills. We're going to have about 10 million people in fuel poverty. We have a real absolute, not relative, poverty issue going to come in the UK with food banks oversubscribed, with debt crisis agencies do not have any tools. And I need to say, with the Chancellor coming on in a moment, if you could give me, as the money-saving expert who's been known for this, I am virtually out of tools to help people now. It's not something money management can fix. It's not something for those on the lowest incomes telling them to cut their belts will work. We need political intervention. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to my daily evening blend email. 
It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary of what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week. <laughs>